Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Excited for today's guest, Michael Gerber, John Asaraf. Rashawn, welcome to Making Bank. Ian Stanley. Dan, welcome to Making Bank, my friend. Josh, I'm excited to be here, man. Robert Kiyosaki, Joel Marion. What were some, I guess, the common, maybe like the top three common things that you found working with so many, you know, small millions of small businesses and everything over the years that most people are missing? First of all, there's no compelling story. Um, If I ask a small business owner, what do you do? They typically talk about what they do. Um, But what they do is irrelevant. What they intended to do is where the key missing piece is. So I've come to call it the four essential ingredients for the foundation of any great growing enterprise. Now, note I say great growing enterprise. Because while we focus all of our attention on the smallest of the small, not the guy who's in seven figures, eight figures, nine figures, not him. Um, In most cases, he ain't going anywhere anyway. Right. We want to talk to somebody who has no clue, really hasn't discovered what a business is yet. Um, uh, a, a, a framer starts a framing company, a chiropractor starts a chiropractic firm, um, a real estate investor starts a real estate investing firm, and they build it all, of course, upon them. In short, they're the product. In short, they're the technician, what I call suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. They're going to go out on their own make it on their own, do it on their own. And so what's mostly, first of all, missing is the great result they are focused on producing. So for example, when um, we talk about my dream, um, when I started that now new company, um, leaving um, Ace's clients behind, Um, The name of that company was the Michael Thomas Corporation. Uh, The guy who Ace brought in to replace me, Tom Travisano, um, came in to find out what I was doing. And the more he watched over my shoulder, he said, well, where are you going? I said, I'm going to start a company to do this. He said, well, I want to go with you. (laughs) So Tom became my partner, thus the Michael Thomas Corporation, a business a business development firm. The Michael Thomas Corporation was founded in 1977. We created it in 1977. It was the very first business coaching firm on the planet. Wow. Nobody had ever done what we set to do. 
We had a dream, a vision, a purpose, a mission. So the foundation that I speak about today in our dreaming room and in the first year of what we call Radical You, which is our online entrepreneurial development school, is the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission. So what's missing is that. And in our company, our dream, way back then at the very beginning, was to, in quotes, transform the state of small business worldwide. Our vision was to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting. Our purpose was that every small business owner attracted to our point of view could be at least as successful as a McDonald's franchisee. And our mission was to invent the business development system that would make all of that possible. And so our totality of vision, of purpose, of mission, our dream, was to literally go to work on our new company to invent our franchise prototype. In short, McDonald's or any other great growing franchise that you can think of. Starbucks, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what it sells, doesn't matter whether it's a service or a product. If it's a product, it's a service. If it's a service, it's a product. You understand? And we went to work on the Michael Thomas Corporation to build the Michael Thomas Business Development Program. And it started from there, and that became Michael E. Gerber um, Companies, and that became, I mean, that became Gerber Business Development Corporation, and that became the E-Myth Academy, and that became E-Myth Worldwide, and that became E-Myth and now we are Michael E. Gerber Companies, and Emith is one part of our enterprise. And all of the other things that we're doing to complete the story, you might say, is all being delivered to literally do that. Design a company of one to grow to a company of 1,000. A company of one to a company of 1,000. And the system, absolutely critical to produce that. 99% of the people on the planet aren't naturally great creators. No, they got to be infused with it. That's what we have learned how to do. To infuse ordinary people with extraordinary skills skills of concentration, discrimination, organization, innovation, and communication, skills that enable them to step out of the company and to design that company as an enterprise, and then to steadfastly work on it, to build it, to make it work in a very specific way, to create a very specific result that nobody else has learned how to do. Can you imagine Apple, the first trillion dollar valued company on the planet? Think about ever built. Started by a novice who doesn't know anything. I mean, 
Steve Jab didn't know anything. You understand? No, he wasn't a good technician. He wasn't a good programmer. He wasn't a good this. He wasn't a good that. He didn't know anything. What he did have was the inspiration to see something that nobody else saw as clearly as he did. And what he saw is what drove him to create what he created. It's, it's an extraordinary thing. I'm saying that's what's missing in every business you walk into. Steve Jobs is missing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what are some of the um, things that you've found that have made it super successful for you? One, with hiring, and then two, culture and building the teams. Yeah, so one, I think uh, I'm, I'm all about like high, you know, exponential growth and high growth companies. So one is companies that can grow their leaders the fastest, grow the fastest. Okay. And like, let that settle, write that <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Listening. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, feeling yeah, that. It's, it's the companies that actually have a process for developing leaders fast are mm -hmm. the ones going to grow fast because if you expect to be able to pay the premium to hire that, you know, A plus player, or C level hire for whatever that sure. thing is in day one, it just doesn't make sense. And, and I learned that being in Silicon Valley and seeing how the fastest companies mm -hmm. grow because they do not do that. Right. Like okay. they literally, it's a bunch of 20 year olds that are just really <laughs> high IQ and intelligent and motivated that just iterate and figure it out, right? Gotcha. And what they what they do is they they allow people to take on projects that seem above their abilities, but then if they step up and do it, they keep the role. If they don't, they don't. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I'm a big fan of, of training. I think that that's a big opportunity, especially at your scale. Sure. That needs to be built into the way you guys uh, kind of develop and onboard team members. So what, um, what kind of process or what, I guess maybe top three points would you have for developing a leadership process? Yeah, so one, I'll give you three. The, the one is uh, no one lead, uh, kind of executive leader should have more than seven direct reports. So that's one. Okay. So so if you have more than seven people that report to you, you should try to clean that up. Okay. Um, every week you should be doing at least a 20, 25 minute one-on-one -on -one with them. With a manager? With the or direct the, report. The direct report. Yeah. Okay. So that should just be, in the sh and, and really leave it open. It could be a coffee meeting. It could be a walk and talk. It could be whatever. Gotcha. But just, okay. just let the, create the space for them to bring stuff to your attention. Sure. Um, the other thing is I think people need to learn how to coach people to win and not lose. I think that mm. uh, a lot of leaders, if they're the founders especially, um, they put pressure on their team to get outcomes and they kind of step back and like see if they're going to be able to perform. Sure. To me, you only hurt your company. Right. So I'm more of a fan of saying, hey, let's be clear on the outcomes. Let's talk about how we're going to measure your progress. But then the third part is I'm going to make sure that I coach you and support you in winning at that outcome, not okay. stepping back and waiting for the person to, to get themselves in trouble. Um, and then I'm a big fan of uh, team training. So we do a thing every month where everybody on the team can add to the list of things they want to teach the rest of the company. It's kind of like uh, show and tell for, for cool stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's just every 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 month for an hour and they're recorded and then everybody who hasn't done one is prioritized first. But I mean, I learned about typography from our designer. So they can teach whatever they whatever want. Whatever they want, so they got 10 oh, wow. minutes. That's yeah. cool. So it just, and it really creates like a sense of awareness of who's on the team and who knows what. 
right. you create this ca this catalog of of trainings, and then what happens is in part of our onboarding for new employees, watching the backlog is actually part of that process. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so you create this library. Yeah, they're like, there. oh, I didn't know Kelsey. You know, <laughs> she has this really cool tip for managing your inbox. Right. Like, yeah. So it's you know it's really just allowing the team to to learn, and and then I would say if I had to throw another one is just having a kind of a career development. Uh, clear outline for okay. your leadership, right? Like saying like, here's where we're going to be, here's where you need to be, and here's, and let's work on a right. plan to get you there. Okay. Um, so that nobody's ever blindsided. I think, mm. you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to be blindsided at like, oh, I wasn't performing or I right. didn't know. It's like, we have access to incredible people and training. Sure. We need to make sure that that gets pushed down through our companies. Right. Yeah. So what? Um, so you mentioned coach, like coaching them along yes. that way. What does that like little part look like? To that dive a little deeper. I mean, if you've ever had a coach, it looks the exact same way. Okay. Yeah. So you'll ask them. So we're like, doing that same way, going through the same type of you're questions. You're not. See, the difference is okay. transactional versus transformational. You don't tell them what to do. Okay. You coach them to an outcome. Okay. Right. I don't ever tell my coaching clients what they should do. Sure. I ask them questions that get them clear on their outcomes Got and it. how and the optionality. So even one quick rule, like one, three, one. So it's one challenge, three solutions, one recommendation. Okay. So as a leader, I don't. I'm not going to tell you what you do. You get a problem, you can bring it to me. Right. But I'm then going to ask you what are the three options and which one do you think you want to lead with. And if you make that something you push down to your organization, sure. because it's almost like in, in parenting, there was a, a book a friend of mine recommended, and she said that the author's argument is that our role as a parent is to make our kids not require us. Right. And that was like, okay, whoa, that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a big, that's yeah, like a heady like, one. But imagine yeah. if that was the same approach mm. you, you brought with your team. Right. My goal as a leader is to not be required by my executive team. Sure. Or get more leverage in that timing. And how do you do that? Well, it's you have to coach them to come to the outcome that you would have got there if you made the decision, but they made it. So I always believe 80% done awesome. by somebody else is 100% effing awesome. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> right. like, oh, yeah. people are like, well, they'll never do it the same way as me. It's like, dude, anybody else doing anything at 80% is 100% freaking awesome. For sure, yeah. Because that frees up your time. Oh to my gosh, to that's leverage. You do best. Yeah. yeah, hiring, if you want to think about building teams, the way I look at it is look at your calendar, where do you spend time? Every new hire should buy back you time. That is the simplest, yep. like $1 an employee should get you back, you know, whatever amount of hours. Like you want to figure out how can I buy back time from my calendar. Sure. No, that's awesome. What's one question that I, you're like, Josh, man, I really wish you would ask me this, that you're like, wow, guys, I really think you need to know this because it's going to do X, Y, Z. Number one thing that I think is required by any entrepreneur to be ridiculously successful. Okay. And then you want the answer? Only unless you want to hold off. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> mind sharing it. Um, I think that the number one is get around people that have already done the thing you're about to do. Okay. And it is, I don't know why people fight with this or struggle with it or don't understand it, but to me, you can call it a mentor, you can call it an advisor, you can call it a peer, you can call it whoever, right? Right. But if I'm going to do something, and this is just how I attack markets, I've built several companies. Sure. CrossFit's the same thing. I went to the number one business coach. That's what I did too. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. go find the person who's already done the thing you want right. to do and figure out if, and, and pay for access. Like I'm all about speed. Sure. I don't mind. I'd rather spend thousands of dollars for an hour of somebody's time that's been there and right. done that to show me the playbook and yep. allow me not to have to do any guesswork and and just and for my circumstance and my context get that clarity because content and information people are like oh well I can just listen to podcasts yes you can listen to podcasts but I'll tell you there's a different outcome for you listening to this podcast mm -hmm. versus talking with Josh right. about your specific situation and I think that 
to me, I wish I would have learned at 17. It probably took me till mid 20s okay. and, and a few failed companies to finally realize like I need to get advice from people that have been to where I'm going and execute against that in the lack of knowledge that I had at that point. Right. No, that's awesome. And I think it's 100% true. Like if, if, regardless of anything else, yeah. reading books and going to seminars and blah, 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 or, you know, like that. Yeah. No, I, you're right, 100% right. I mean, that's, I've always tried to do that at different pieces and times in my life with businesses and everything. And it's made a significant difference in acceleration of the business and, and just everything overall. So, so when you're, you know, you're connected with somebody and you know, you're helping people move forward and stuff and their journey and stuff, what are maybe your top three kind of mindsets or um, kind of strategies that you take them through? Okay. I would say my top three strategies that I'll take someone through, especially like if I'm mentoring them, pouring into them, just anyone who even follows my platforms knows this. I would say commit to your principles and values. You know, make personal promises to yourself and do's and don'ts like, hey, I won't go this route, but I'm going to go this route every single day. Like we have to become people of like covenant, like who make promises to ourselves, knowing we're going to stay true. We're going to stay true to, to, to what we, you know, conviction over cool in our generation, people want to do, you know, what's right before they do what's real. People will always try to get you to drift their way, quote unquote, what's right in people's eyes. But you know, dead fish go with the flow. You know, you want to go and trailblaze, you know, and stay true to your vision. I, that's what I would say for that. That's one of them. Uh, the the other thing I would say is coordinate your resources. Uh, coordinating your resources, meaning don't waste time. You know, time is valuable. Uh, it's a great asset we all have. And not only that, it's an amazing resource, but everything else we have, you can be broke right now, a man in a warehouse or a man in the White House. Regardless of where you are right now, you have to understand that everything's a resource, even if it doesn't look good, even if it doesn't look perfect. It's a resource and it's a resource that can work out for your benefit at the end. We're all in a story that needs to be told, you know? All right. So, Rashawn, you were talking a little bit about your strategies and the mindset, kind of what you take people through to kind of help them on their journey and, you know, to encourage them and empower them everything. And one of the things you mentioned was uh, had to do with the fact of, um, you know, people tend to get comfortable. And so when people tend to get comfortable, they don't want to challenge themselves or a lot of our population, they're comfortable in whatever it is following and not really challenging and pushing themselves to move beyond, to get out of their comfort zones and to kind of move themselves to that next level. So what has worked really well for you to tell, because I know it sounds like from what you were saying, you continuously do that on a daily and weekly basis. I mean, so how do you move yourself out of that comfort zone, um, you know, to always continue to push through those different challenges to move you to that next level? Love it, bro. Thank, thanks for that question. Solid question. And this is something I think about all the time. Um, commitment isn't comfort food. When you're comfortable, when you're too, you know, and that's why one of the biggest things is I stay around people who are very, very passionate about what they do, uh, that are in the same lane as me, that can constantly challenge me. Um, and I think one of the greatest things for you, just if you're listening to the podcast right now, I'd encourage you to start speaking your passion, start speaking it out loud. And I, I believe in just the power of just 
just hearing and declaring over you know your life you know those things that you're passionate about because some way somehow even when the voices get loud around you you have a way of going back to what you know what that inner passion is and following it you know there's so many people that i know who don't talk about their passion so they find themselves not even getting the opportunity to to break through or to do amazing things because no one knows what they want to do you know, no one knows that they are passionate about this or that because they keep their mouth shut. Therefore, there's no great opportunities or resources or people aren't investing, you know? So that that's one of the big things, bro. Like if you ever hang out with me in person, which that would be extremely awesome just to chill with you for a bit, Josh. But one of the, one of the things that I've noticed, like anytime I'm anywhere, I'm slow to speak, of course. I mean, not really, because I speak really fast, but I try to listen and engage. But one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was being passionate, but not only that, speaking my passion, because at that point, you get people who will invest in your vision when you're open about it. And it's, yeah, it's just amazing, bro. What are some of your biggest takeaways um, or strategies that you've pulled from your years of experience that accelerated your process to where you are now? So um, the first company that I started was Remax of Indiana when I was 26. I built that to a four and a half billion dollar a year company by the time I was 36. Uh, 85 real estate offices, 1,500 agents. And what I'm about to share with you is um, one of the key key pieces. We were stuck, a good place to be stuck, five years after I started the company, at 1.2 billion a year in sales. And it wasn't because we were uh, not training our agents. It wasn't because we weren't giving them books and, and speakers and coaches and all that stuff. Um, I totally forgot that Mr. Brown helped me augment my own belief system and self-esteem uh, and 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 he had me doing my visualizations and affirmations for many, many, many months for over a year when I first started working with him. And so I took 75 of our agents and I said, hey, listen, if you're interested in me teaching what I did when I was younger to really help me take off my real estate career, um, let's start just forget about learning how to sell more and closing more deals or prospecting. Uh, let's start retraining your brain. And so the 75 agents worked with me on a daily practice of retraining their brain, and those 75 people increased sales by an extra $100 million in six months. And then I took it throughout the entire company, and that's how we went from 1.2 billion to four and a half billion, because we started to take people's earning mindset, their set. Our average agent went from earning $38,000 a year to $128,000 a year average income in Indiana. That's yeah. I'm in Ohio, so I'm right next door there. <laughs> you know, so so in addition to obviously learning the strategies and the tactics and the skills that you need, if you have the strategies, the tactics, and the skill, but your self-image doesn't allow you to achieve that level of success that you want, you will sabotage it. If you have limited beliefs that don't empower you, you will sabotage it. If you have any one of those four things I talked about. Um, you'll sabotage your success. So work more on your mindset and emotional management than you do on anything else is what I've learned over the years. Awesome. What is uh, one thing you're like, all right, I wish Josh would have asked me this or something, something or you're thinking of like, all right, so 
that you've utilized that you just you haven't maybe not shared elsewhere you're just like man i really want to share it today <laughs> i don't know about share elsewhere i, I do, do a lot do a lot of podcasts i know <laughs> i think i think if you ask me you know you know what's one of the the keystone habits i call them okay that, that are if you're not going to listen to anything i say just do this sure um, start your day getting uh, centered, start your day being grateful, then start your day getting your brain focused on exactly what you want to achieve just that day. Uh, so I do it in the form um, of meditation first, gratitude, then meditation, and then I just sit for 15 minutes every morning and I review here is what I want to get accomplished today. And then I have three action items to make sure that I get that done. Just did that. Just three critical things per day, not 10, three. If you can get three critical things done every day, you'll have over a thousand critical things done at the end of the year. You will achieve more goals than 99.9% .9 of the world's population. You know, as you were learning copy and you developing your skill and everything, you kind of came up with some different principles, obviously that's helped you. And I know I subscribe to some of your stuff, so I kind of see some of those coming through and everything. What are what are you know maybe some of the principles that you can share? Um, people yeah. can follow. Well, uh, when it comes to email, I can just give like a few ones. Which is the ultimate goal of email marketing is actually to make the subject line obsolete. So make it so that when people see your name, they just open it because they're so addicted to what it is that you say and what you write about. And so I have, you know, my list still isn't a particularly big list, but it's a very, very responsive list. And, uh, and I've, I've looked at the numbers of like my earnings per subscriber. It's like 11 to 22 bucks a person compared to the normal, you know, one to two bucks. And so, uh, a lot of that comes down to building relationships and, and really telling stories a lot and like really building a bond. And so part of what people tell you in copy is that the most important word in copy is you. Always talk about them, say you, you, you. But with email marketing especially, you actually really want to talk about yourself um, because people are develop developing a relationship with you and they want to feel like they know you. And the more they know you, the more likely they are to buy from you. And one of the, one of the things that people really, um, I think, struggle with understanding about storytelling, like I've moved more and more into telling stories and I feel like that's a part of my purpose on this planet. So it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to tell some stories. Uh, but what I used to feel is I used to have some shame around like, oh, I'm going to tell these stories and it just makes me look like an arrogant asshole who just wants to talk about himself. But when you get past that, you realize that, um, uh, the purpose of when you're telling a story, people aren't listening to it from, and just listening to your story. What they're doing is they're constantly listening to your story and relating it back to themselves to see how it relates and reflects on their life. And they're going through their own story in their head. So like an example is, uh, I just, I had posted this video about my dog on uh, Facebook and uh, it's about, it's a nine minute video, which for Facebook is essentially like, you know, Scarface. That's like a three hour film. And we put it out there and it was like, oh, well, this is a bit long, but I basically tell the story of how my dog was supposed to die and what I went through and then how he ended up living. And now we're in the Grand Canyon and, and all this stuff. And and then I have a little lesson about money in the end, but basically like my dog would have been dead if I didn't make money. 
So it was $10,000 to save his life. And, um, and so I sort of tell that story at the end and it's got millions of views now. And, but what's way crazier is they're like, I think it's like 30, I don't know, 5,000 comments of literally paragraphs, like, you know, Facebook comments that are huge. And it's all people telling their story about their dog and, and messaging me and being like, I've, I cried so hard and oh my God, this meant so much. And people leaving reviews on my Facebook page. I've never seen anything like this, saying Ian is a good person. And I'm like, I gotcha. <laughs> Um, gotcha. but, but so when you're telling this story that seems like it's all about you, the reality is the story is about the other people. They're relating back their own similarities and stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I just finished this book and it's what I put in there is actually like the 12 and this isn't me just trying to pitch my book. I, uh, you know, I just finished it. So it's, it's fresh on my mind, but basically I put in there like the 12 rules that I've learned from it's called confessions of a persuasion hitman. And so it's uh, it's the unusual rules I learned from selling over a hundred million dollars worth of products and services. And so, um, but I put in there these rules that I've learned. And so one of them is to tell the stories that scare you the most. So the easiest sort of shortcut to telling stories that really sell a lot of stuff um, is actually to be vulnerable and to whatever scares you. If you're afraid to tell that story, then it's likely highly emotionally charged. And people can feel what you're feeling when you're telling a story. So if you're on video, like I used to say this for video all the time, is like if you're on video and you're in a bored space, or you're, you know, if you don't have the right energy, people, you can say the exact same words. I could write a script for two different actors or for the same actor. They can do it one way and they can read it in a different voice. And you could have a 50%, 100% difference in conversions, literally from the energy of the person. And so when, when you're writing, when you're filming, if you're willing to share those stories that scare you, you're automatically going to be in some form of an emotional state in which, and people, the more people feel, the more they buy, you know, people buy on emotion and they justify with logic. So there's the reason they buy. And then there's the reason they tell their wife or their husband. And that's the logic part coming in because they go, well, why'd you sign up for this? And it's like, well, because it's going to make us more money. But really he's like, you know, dealing with something much deeper. And he's like, well, I actually just don't feel like I'm a good enough person if I don't make this much money and I feel less than everyone around me. And so the more you can make people feel, the more emotionally driven you can be with your copy and your marketing, the more people are going to spend and the easiest sort of shortcut to that. You don't have to be a great writer. Like we actually, we have this thing at the Lionheart workshops where people tell an embarrassing story, which I really, I don't know if I'm supposed to publicly say that because it's kind of a secret, but what you find is that everybody has an incredible story and that, and that, you know, I do stand up as well. And so, um, you find that everybody has a, everybody could do stand up if they were willing to go and tell the story that absolutely is the most embarrassing moment in their life. Cause it's inherently funny. Sometimes it's very shameful or whatever, but it's like, Everybody has great stories. It's just they're hard to tell. What's one question you're like, man, you know, I was hoping Josh was going to ask me this or just something you're like, I really wish I really got to share this that maybe I haven't shared with anyone before that you really want the audience to know. What would that be? I always get the question that people tend to ask is like about the parody videos. They ask, you know, why do you do them? What's your, you know, what, what, what drove you to do that? And, and so it's been a weird sort of, uh, adventure where, you know, I, I've had these parody videos of Tyler, you know, I've lied Topaz and can't 
boom, and you know, very grinder Chuck. And, and, uh, and then I also have this other business where I teach like, you know, my business partner is an executive coach and therapist, and we work on very deep emotional issues and mental blocks with, you know, all sorts of high level entrepreneurs and stuff. So there's this really intense, deep emotional stuff that I do. And then there's this guy who's making fun of, you know, entrepreneurs. So I, I think really the main thing that I've learned from that is one of my primary rules in business is, uh, is to have a lot of fun. And, uh, people used to ask, well, why'd you do those videos? What was your strategy? What was your plan? And I'm like, uh, to have a lot of fun. Like I have a great time filming them. If nobody ever watched them, I still had a great time in those few minutes of filming and nobody can ever take that away. So I think, I guess if I were to say anything, it's that, I have found that the more fun I have, the more money I make. It's a like there's a directly proportional relationship to fun and money, which I realize is quite uncommon. But I think that's also just an idea that we've been taught our entire lives is that fun and money don't go hand in hand. And for me, I found that it's actually the opposite. The better a time I'm having, the more money I make. And so I think actually I'd, I'd say just looking at the stories that you tell yourself and what you've accepted to be reality and how much of that's just societal conditioning of, oh, I work 40 hours a week. Well, why? Because Henry Ford wanted to get people in the Industrial Revolution and he wanted a third of their lives. And it got physically dangerous to turn knobs when, you know, after eight hours. Like just, I guess I'd say examine the rules that you have for your life and see if they're actually real or if they're bullshit constructs that you've made up or that society's told you is real. Yeah, that's awesome. As we're, you know, I guess, learning and educating, where are some of the, maybe the top places for people to then to go grab and educate? Obviously we have the rich dad, you know, training and things that you guys do as well as what are some other areas focused around entrepreneurship and, and learning about money and stuff. Do you recommend people go gravitate towards? I didn't get into teaching intentionally. You know, I just liked seminars. Right. So today, I still go to seminars, you know, I, I go to Golden Silver, I go all these things. And pretty soon I just started teaching. And so I, I decided that learning was the best way to teach. And too many teachers are fake teachers. You know, they use the word tenure. They don't give a crap about what they're teaching. Right. So I, for anybody who wants to be rich, I think the, you focus on, you know, how many people can I serve? So I write a book, not because I'm going to make money. I hate writing books. But if I can serve more people by writing this book, I'll write it. And if I can serve more people by designing a board game like Cash Flow, I'll design it. And right now I'm working on a documentary. It's going to cost me about 1.3 mil, but it'll serve more people. So my focus, you know, is I do my best to serve people, not just make money. And as you know, and I know, there's a lot of people, very desperate people out there. You know, as the dollar declines, the national debt goes into the trillions. More and more people are getting more and more desperate. And that's what I'm concerned about. Right. So that's why, you know, gold and silver, guns and bullets are good investments right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we're going to have social unrest, you know, as this gap gets too wide. It's not so much in America, but I was just in Zimbabwe and Argentina, and they're screwed. And again, they're screwed because the U.S. stock market or Wall Street, they're selling these toxic assets called collateralized debt obligations, CDOs, MBSs, and all that. So the Fed, in my opinion, is a corrupt organization. That's why guys like Ron Paul and everybody talks against them. 
because they only they, you know they're not they're not here for their mandates they're here to protect the rich for sure and they rip us off now i'm not complaining because what they do makes me richer <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean but i'm saying it's not my intention I, I i am in the shadow banking i am not i am in the dark nobody can see what i do and i am very happy that way <laughs> yeah but that's why being legal, ethical, and moral plays a big part of that and being clear that my intention is to serve people, not steal from them. And as I said, the biggest thieves have worked for me. It's really sad, really, really sad, because they don't know how to make money. Right, just steal. So th that's really the problem. And then as, as debt continues to grow, more and more people will start to steal. So that's my, so be very careful, be very smart, be wise out there. And then, you know, make sure your team, your team is a t really tough, straight team. That's most important. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was an honor to have you on the show, guys. I hope you guys were taking notes. Make sure you go back, watch this multiple times, rewind, listen to it again over and over and over. And uh, Robert, I really appreciate your time today coming on Making Bank, sharing your insights, and it was an honor to have you on the show today. Can I, can I add one thing for all you guys just starting out? For sure. The most important person on your team is your bookkeeper. Mm. And every time I hear you know, a junior entrepreneur starting out, I say, who does your books? Where's your bookkeeper? Oh, my wife does it, or my husband does it. It's not good. Right. The most important thing are the accuracy of your numbers. And a lot of times, your know, money is an emotional subject. And if you're not keeping very accurate numbers, your accountant can't help you, your attorney can't help you, you can't help you. So just remember that if I ask you who your bookkeeper is and you say your husband, your wife, or your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, I'm out. You're not playing to win. You're playing to save money. <laughs> <laughs> Along your journey then, you know, with marketing and, and then building biotrust and everything, you know, yeah. what what are some of your top three takeaways from that that you're like, hey, you know, this, this, and this, and other people can kind of take those and start applying those? Well, know your strengths. My strength was not – I would have never start a supplement company on my own, you know. I had no no knowledge and no desire to learn it, you know. I, I didn't want a big company. Um, and – it's it, it it has gotten to be, you know, big company headaches for me. But uh, at the same time, it's it's not like I'm the one. My partner handles all the hiring, all all the all the all the firing. You know, we have people who do that. Obviously, it's not the owners, but like he put all the right people in place to run the ship. It's my job to bring in the revenue, which is what I always love to do. Sure. All along, you know, I didn't I didn't try to get involved in something that was outside of my skill set. Um, I brought a partner in for that, right? The second thing is, especially if you're getting involved online, is is uh, be ready to adapt because everything is changing constantly, constantly. You know, uh, what was working six months ago is not what's working today. And I have seen over the years, um, some of the names that I rattled off at the beginning where I said we're at the top of ClickBank are not even relevant anymore. Just any last insights you want to leave anybody with before we finish up? Uh, yeah, I'll just kind of go back to one of the things that I said earlier is um, for longevity in this space, you have to be willing to change and adapt. The Internet is changing, uh, you know, and I think most of the people listening to this are, are people who have online businesses. Um, 
everything is always changing and it moves faster than I can think about my next move, right? So you just have to be prepared to be agile and adapt. The people who have are making way more money. It's gotten harder and harder to make money every year on the internet. I find more ways to bolt on new things, new, new strategies, new resources, and I adapt. And most people don't do that. They come in, they, they find something that works. It's hot for a quick minute. Um, and then next, you know, it's not working anymore and they're not willing to do what it takes to capitalize on the next trend. You know, now it's, everything is mobile first. Now, if I'm not thinking about mobile first and I'm still operating back in the 2012 ways of where 90% of the traffic is desktop and I'm still doing business that way, I'm going to be freaking lost in today's day and age, right? You, you have to, technology changes, the internet changes, like the speed of light, and you have to be willing to roll with the changes, stay on top of the trends and be ahead of the curve. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.